Hello, and welcome to the Beautiful Business Podcast. Beautiful Business is a community for leaders who believe there's a better way of doing business. We believe beautiful businesses are led with purpose by people who care, guided by a clear strategy, and soulfully grow. I'm your host, Ewan Sang. This episode, I'm joined by Marcus Hemsley. Marcus is the founder of the digital growth agency Fountain Partnership, winner of Google's Global Award for Growing Businesses Online. Marcus is also a founding member of the Million Tree Pledge. Launched on Earth Day in April 2021, the Million Tree Pledge is a collaborative initiative that's brought together more than 60 inspiring businesses who have made the bold commitment to plant 41 million trees in the coming years, as well as to each find another two pledges, and in doing so ensuring the initiative grows exponentially. Let's, let's go straight in then. Marcus, in your opinion, why should business leaders strive to protect the planet? Because we've only got seven years, seven months, and about five days left to half global emissions. And if we don't, according to the IPCC reports, and all the world leaders at COP26 last year, we have a very slim chance of leaving a habitable planet for our children and grandchildren. So this isn't just a nice thing to do. It's like future generations will look back at those of us in positions of power now in this decade and either go, thank goodness they took bold action or we're living through hell and it's all their fault. So, and I'm sorry to start off with such a really kind of bleak answer, but that's just the truth. Like I'm literally reeling off what the top scientists are saying. We have to half global emissions. The problem is they're going up again. So they've even started coming back down. I mean, if we look at it, me and you are both in business, you and right, when someone comes to us, like, I mean, you're in sales and marketing, so mine says, right. I want to double the size of my business, triple the size of my business. So yeah, great, cool. So let's break it down into a time frame and have monthly targets. And I just don't see that at the minute right now with global emissions. If we're going to half them as a planet, that means we've got to be dropping them by about you know, 6% a year at the minute. And to put it in context, in 2020, when everyone just stopped everything, do you know how much global emissions dropped by? And it was big, wasn't it? There's stories of like the, the smog lifting from Delhi and being able to see the Himalayas and everything. But the actual global emissions themselves only dropped by 5%. So every year we need to do pretty much an equivalent of what we did in 2020. Not directly, of course, we're not all going to hide it in our houses, but we need to decarbonize rapidly. So this decade for everyone, doesn't matter if you're in business, you know, third sector, private sector, wherever you are, and you are in a position of power and influence, we need to be having this conversation. We need to be racing to zero emissions to halve it by 2030. And the clock is ticking. I think you've articulated that really well. And whilst you say it's, it's doom and gloom, it is a reality of it. As a founder of a business, as a leader of teams, and as you say, people in position of influence, so it, it, it's our responsibility right, to do what we can and to influence in the right way. And Fountain has pledged to plant a million trees by 2025. That's was obviously a really big number. Why do you think that this was an important pledge for you and for your team? Because it is ridiculously big. And what I mean by that is that a million trees, when they grow up and over 25 years of the average lifespan, Every year, that will draw down enough CO2 to cover 50 businesses the size of Fountain. So it's not just saying like, you know, let's, because the other part of, we've also pledged to get to the net zero by 2025, but also the million trees is much more impressive. And the reason is most people don't understand this about climate change. You know, 
the media have perpetuated this narrative that we all need to get to net zero. So let's halve it by 2030. But the truth is, even if we stop dumping all CO2 and CO2 equivalents into the atmosphere today, the planet's still in trouble. We're still on track for a habitable planet unless we draw down the 2.5 trillion tons of CO2 out there. So there's really only two games in town you're in. Like game one is race to zero emissions. So people are starting to get that. Game two is the drawdown game. So the reason we chose a million trees um, is a big old number that people can get behind. And I was one of the co-founders of the Million Tree Pledge. So the story behind that is, is it's quite interesting. It's one of the few good things that came out of COVID for me. So I had a, a really nasty case of COVID. So I was in bed for five weeks, struggling to breathe. Terrified. This was right back in March 2020. Terrified. Blah, 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 one in the UK. They put through to a paramedic and they said, look, yes, you're struggling. I hear you're struggling to breathe. Lots of people have this problem at the minute with this new virus. Can you get to a mirror? And I was like, okay. So we got out of bed, got to the mirror and they said, are your lips turning blue? And I was like, no. They said, all right, we're not going to send a paramedic. And at that point, honestly, I feel like I'm in a horror movie. I, within a few weeks, I, there's this new virus that's out there. I've come off it. I'm struggling to breathe. I don't know what's going to happen. They're too busy. The ambulance can't come. And I looked out the window and I said, well, what's going on with the world? The planet can't breathe and I can't breathe. Uh, you know, when bad things happen, people say, I'll just take it one day at a time. If you're really sick, you should take it one minute at a time, right? Just get through the next minute. I'm feeling horrific. I'm terrified. And so I, I don't know if you've come across ecology.com, the tree planting platform. You know those guys. Brilliant. So I only had an ecology account. And I thought, here's an idea. To take my mind off it, every time I feel short of breath, I'm going to plant some trees. And in a weird way, just doing a little bit of good when everything felt like it was horrible and going to hell, gave me a little bit of hope in hell. And so it's just a fun day. I get planting trees. And I thought, well, this is quite interesting. Why don't I be bold and pledge to plant a million trees? So I thought, right, I'm going to be Marcus Emptley. By the time I turn 40, I'm going to have planted a million trees, which is, you know, it's a big undertaking of it personally. And I thought, I wonder how many trees we've lost in recent centuries. And looked it up and it was three trillion trees. So an economist years ago during the financial crisis explained to me the difference between a million and a trillion using time. I don't know if you've come across this, right? But I'll do it with you now for anyone listening. So if me and you were going to count to a million, how long do you think it would take you? And any ideas? Every second is a new number, right? So yeah, I don't know. Tell me, Marcus. There's 11 days. But here's the interesting thing. If we were to count to a billion, it'd be 31 years, which means a trillion is 31,000 years. So that was my little million tree pledge, which is 11 days. And the problem actually is the equivalent of 93,000 years because it's 3 trillion trees. Not one. So I thought, gosh, I need to find some more people to take this pledge. <laughs> so first place I went to was to the board of my company and said, right, guys, we're going to plant a million trees. And they're like, gosh, how much is that going to cost? And we looked up on ecology and at the time it was 120 grand. I'm like, wow, okay. So we don't have to do them today. And then I thought, right. So those are the two levers of power I have, me, my personal spending and my business. And I thought, right, let's try and find some like-minded people and, you know, started networking, asking the questions. The guys at Ecology put me in touch with my businesses. And we set up the Million Tree Pledge. And the pledge is two parts. One is to pledge to plant a million trees by a set time. And the other is to find these two of our pledges. So it kind of grows exponentially. Someone described it as a leafy Ponzi scheme, which I don't like the Ponzi scheme bit, but it was this idea of it going viral. And we, we launched just over a year ago on Earth Day. And fast forward a year, we have 42 pledges, 42 million trees pledged and six and a bit, 6.2 million trees in the ground already. So 
we've got a nice little proof of concept and now we're just making lots of noise. But it's, it's kind of funny from my sick bed, you know, in 2020 to like two years on that we've got millions of trees in the ground and lots of people telling the story and a bit of momentum. So, and the idea is it's not, to be really clear, everyone who takes a pledge has to have a plan to race to net zero. Like this isn't just offsetting or like just keep polluting and just plant trees to ignore the problem. It's not offsetting, it's drawing down and it's, it's global reforestation. We found the nest, right? We'd say to our children, look, we as collectively as people, we found the nest. We've made a messy world for you, right? We just need to clean it up. We need to stop dumping pollution in the atmosphere. We need to draw down all the stuff and put up there. We need to put the trees back. It's quite simple. It's tidy your room, quite frankly, you know, but tidy your room in. If you don't, there won't be a habitable planet for you or my grandchildren or great-grandchildren. And it's, it's pretty despicable, really. You think of how many billions of unborn people there are. Will you have the power to be good ancestors? And we have to be good ancestors because we love our children and we will love the future generations as well. So we just put that love forward. You mentioned that in that BIMA, Sustainability Council piece that you kind of sent on to me. And that was a line that I pulled out, which I absolutely love, that concept of being good ancestors, not just good business people. And there's just this short-sightedness, I feel. And I feel that's the, where so, so much of this stems from is, and maybe this is systemic from quarterly AGMs and just looking to the next quarter, look to the next quarter. But when we start talking generationally, yeah. then it really puts into context just what a mess we've got ourselves into. And there's nobody else to blame. And it's about taking responsibility. Again, as you say, it's about taking ownership of it and doing something about it. Yeah, it's, it's pure short-termness. And then if you look sort of scale up and helicopter view, say, well, you know, I mean, goodness, we've spent the 20th century trying to find something that semi-works in terms of democracy in lost countries and getting people out of mass poverty. I mean, you take, obviously, you take a country like China, I mean, the economic growth they've been through and everything. You wouldn't want to deny that of people. But now we get to the 21st century, it's like, how do we make it sustainable? Now that most people in the world. I mean, it's, you still got 9% in extreme poverty and that isn't acceptable. But if you look at where it has been in previous generations back, it's definitely like not the trends are going in the right direction, but unfortunately the trends are fueled by carbon emissions. So we need to balance that out. But I think you're right. The problem with the capitalism we have at the minute is it is looking at the quarterly reports and the short termism. And we saw that with the financial crisis and a number of things. No, indeed. I'm interested in those. So you're up to, did you say 40, 50 people at Fountains? Including the founders, there's about, I think, 45, 46 employees here. Yeah, so it's a substantial business there. 120 grand uh, building a forest of a million trees. It isn't a small um, amount of money. So I'm interested in two parts on that is how did that conversation go with your board to say that I want to plant a million trees? And, and how did you handle that? Because I imagine there would have been some real supporters in there. There might have been some neutral people in the room and there might have been some detractors in there as well. And then the other part of the question that I have for you, Marcus, is how did it affect the broader team and what kind of contribution did they put into it? And, and how do you kind of gauge their engagement with this particular initiative? Yeah, the, the board discussion went better than I thought it would. Ten years ago, people would have not been as convinced of the climate crisis and emergency. But I think really we pledged to do it over four or five years. So it's around... 1% of revenue. I mean, for goodness sake, there's a wonderful organization, 1% for the planet. Like we're not asking a massive amount. Had it been 120 up front, yeah, that would have been a harder conversation. And understandably, there would have been more pushback. The, to answer your second question, the response to the team. The thing that I loved actually, I wasn't expecting it. So we made a video and obviously we're still remote, working remotely back then. And everyone loved it. And I had about 12 people, I think, write to me. People I didn't think it were 
that offered or that concerned about the climate crisis saying, I'm really terrified of, of this. I have children. I just worry about the future. And to be part of a, a business that actually is giving that much money and, and leading the way with just encouraging others to take bold action and draw down and educate on lifetime missions, just it makes me so proud to want to be here. And actually the time when I think lots of people was changing jobs during the pandemic. There was a survey that came out famously like a year and a bit ago saying 60% of the people want to move jobs. The recruiters rubbing their hands a little bit. Our churn's been incredibly low. And I think it's just, the thing is, it's funny, when we first started founding, we really focused on culture. And I feel like in the last decade, culture was really big for people that were progressive. I think now it's a given, right? And I think now this decade is all about purpose over profit. And you attract the right people because of that. And then they bring people to their network and you just build a really solid team. So it, it, it's done so well. And I think there was a business case for taking the pledge, but clients really responded well as well to talk about the others or the people in the network. Clients and prospects were just, and we plant trees for every pitch we do and stuff. That's really a gimmick. It's to say, look, you know, we burn carbon to travel to your office and to use electricity to put together the pitch deck and stuff and all the rest of it. And they just like it. And then also covertly introducing them to potentially joining the military pledge. So they met with lots of positivity and even people who absurdly are skeptical of the science around climate change. No one I've met has gone problem with trees. Regardless of where you sit on the political spectrum, trees tend to tick everyone's boxes. Now there is quite rightly questions about should the money go into other things such as seagrass? And I think there's a strong argument for that. I probably will be putting money towards seagrass right, to absorb carbon. And when the technology's there, I'd love to invest in direct air capture as well, because we need to use all of these things. I'm not Mr. Tree Lover, but there's some brilliant charities out there. For anyone wondering, Ecology uses a number of charities, but their main one is Eden Reforestation. So this gives money to people in areas where there have been rainforests. And these people tend to be in extreme poverty. They often tend to be women who in some of those communities don't often have the jobs and don't often hold the money. Mm. So there's so much stuff about transferring wealth from Britain and British agencies and British companies and putting it into not-for-profits in places like Africa and Asia and, and South America in communities that have the least to help re- work on reforestation. It ticks a lot of boxes, and especially if it helps with female empowerment as well, that that could be a good thing. Yeah, no, indeed, indeed. It's this compound effect, isn't it? As you kind of go on a certain direction, almost there's this redistribution. We're incredibly privileged, aren't we, in the West? And I think that's so important for us to take into context when we do these things, that when we do and we are in a position of power and influence, like how can we create this compound effect of the good that we look to create in the world? So yeah, absolutely right. It'd be lovely to plant another 350,000 trees in some forest in the burbs of uh, Kent or wherever it might be. But there are other places in the world where they're acutely affected by climate change and things that are neglected. It is so important, so good to hear. And also it's really inspiring to hear the effect that it had on your team and the galvanization effect that it had as well. And we, we talked earlier before we were on this call about these positive strokes and the idea of that. But I think that sometimes especially with the pandemic and with the remote working, hybrid working. And I know you guys are bringing people back into that lovely office that you've got as well. It's the effect on mental health and perhaps that the mental well-being of our teams that you, you mentioned a colleague of yours that 
said that it's something that terrifies them. There's a feeling really anxious about it. And they perhaps wouldn't articulate that otherwise had you not gone in the direction of making that pledge. And I would have kept that inside. And just externalizing is one step forward. And then three steps forward is actually feeling like you're doing something about it, which is fabulous. And again, really, really positively here, the effect that it's had on your clients as well and the conversations that, that you have with your clients. I think I put in my, in my questions there, does it attract, does it kind of like draw out a certain type of person within the clients or even from prospects that they see that you're making a positive impact. It almost gives you that common ground straight away before you even get into pitch decks and commercials and things like this. Yeah. Well, you know, what's funny is that it also seems to attract like-minded businesses and it also raised the threshold of who we want to work with. There's an agency I absolutely love called Whole Grain Digital. Those guys, I've, you know, Tom and Vanita from Whole Grain, but they, they created the website, Carbon website, and those guys are brilliant and they have an extremely high threshold. I mean, when I catch up with Tom, he's like, oh, we turned away this company, this company, this company, because they just, they won't meet. And I think that's, that, that's somewhere where we really want to get to is just say, we'll only work with a certain type of person. But it's strange. I think you're right. You put out those things into the networks and then people know, perhaps they're doing this and, you know, they've helped sell the million tree pledge. And then people who know other like-minded businesses that have become B Corp and are interested in this sort of stuff say, oh, we should chat to Marcus. And then naturally we start using them as a supplier or vice versa. And it just, you start hanging around with similar types of people. It's not something that you guys are trying to help facilitate as well. Bring yeah, yeah. like-minded people together. So it seems to happen naturally, which is, which is wonderful because you want to hang out with like-minded people and it almost becomes the norm because others think, oh gosh, we really need to be taking this seriously because we're missing out on, you know. If you're not B Corp, if you're not, you know, doing something bold like taking the million tree pledge, if you haven't got a science-based plan to get to net zero, if you're not doing all these things, then you're not going to be part of various conversations still to be close to you. And that's kind of how it should be. Yeah. What I really love having this conversation with you, Marcus, is looking at the website, looking at Fountain, looking at your methodology, looking at things like your goal setting and your kind of data planning and the KPI tracking and stuff like this. It's really methodical, which I really like. There's good systems. I'm a big fan of systems and processes. And the way that you're talking about it in terms of, you know, the science-based plan of getting the carbon zero and things like this, it just feels like, you know, what typically speaking, business people, founders, they've got um, a really formidable set of skills. And that might be organizational, that might be inspirational, might be communication, whatever it might be, but it's how you apply those skills into things like making a difference, maybe reducing your carbon and, and drawdown, not just offsetting and so on and so forth and, and applying this methodology and that. And that's, that's absolutely fascinating. And on that article that you shared with me, there's a couple of things that were on there. One of them that you mentioned, that, that, that good ancestors piece uh, and bringing down our own emissions. But the other one I thought was quite interesting, and you've touched on it briefly there, was influencing your world and mobilizing your customers. Go, go just a little bit more into that. Yeah. I mean, uh, before I do, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll run through the five sort of pillars that the, well, like, yeah, the Beam Sustainability Council say that everyone should do. So the first one I say is, look, just start somewhere. Most people have got analysis paralysis. So do sign up someone like Ecology to buy carbon credits and start planting trees. Just get the ball rolling. And then there's a free course that James Cannings from MSQ has put together for people. We can do a free course for Future Learn. And it literally is all that modeling of how to measure your emissions and reduce them. So step two is measure, step three is reduce. Step four is then go beyond. And that goes back to the thing I was saying about, you know, we've all got a collective responsibility to draw down our lifetime emissions and go beyond them, right? Because I mean, look, I really simply for an individual, like I'm 37, you know, you could times it by 10. So there's probably 310 tons of CO2 in the atmosphere that belongs to me. So that needs to come down. But 
I am very privileged to be in the position I'm in, right? So not everyone right now can afford to be planting trees, buying carbon credits, you know, doing all the stuff, buying an electric car, all the rest of it. So like you need to actually go beyond and I need to cover those people. Like those of us in business need to cover businesses that can't afford to draw down their own emissions, so on. So that's where the go beyond piece comes from. And the final one, which is the question you asked, is that influence your world has influenced our people. It's mobilize everyone to do these other four, like five steps, basically. Because if everyone I speak to, I say, right, sign up somewhere like Ecology, start measuring, start reducing, have a, a clear plan to get to zero, and then do something bold like plant a million trees or do something to that effect, like go way beyond. Just let's all start sucking down this carbon, you know, putting the trees back and just getting more people. If I could mobilize as many people as possible to do that, then that compounds and they do it. So it's a similar mindset to the military pledge. You take the pledge and you find at least two more pledges. You keep doing it because that's the only way we're going to increase the probability of drawing down those emissions to get half cut by 2030 and then the rest ideally as soon as possible afterwards. It's an interesting point you just made there about the fact that there will be businesses, there'll be parts of our communities and our society even that just aren't in that position to be able to, and perhaps less of these days, but you almost have these kind of binary conversations with people as you're either doing good or you're doing bad. And the reality is that there needs to be a, a much broader view of this. And there must be that bit around taking responsibility, taking ownership. And when we're in a position to make more of a difference and rather than just dividing up the amount of carbon in the air and giving each person on the planet that to take on more and to have that bit. So last bit on the section, Marcus, just in terms of what you would recommend to other founders. And I want to concentrate this bit about getting teams involved because it sounds like it's had such a, an amazing effect over a founder. What would your advice be to getting teams involved in this piece around gearing your business to make a, a positive impact in protecting the planet? So what we've done, and um, I stole this idea from a lovely agency called Kyan, so I'm not going to try and hide it, but Kind they set up a sustainability squad. So we're doing a similar thing. And we found that our head of people and culture is also a bit of an eco-warrior and he loves all this stuff. So I kind of want it to come from the team because I think depends on the size of the business. You know, it's smaller businesses. The founder is involved in a lot more of the day-to-day, but obviously found it, you know, the size we are. If it's just another thing that a founder is layering on, either the guys are excited, then they'll look to me to execute it and Rather than it coming top down, we have a flat structure anyway. So this is aligned with how Fountain do stuff. It's kind of from the bottom up. It's like, right, who, who wants to be in the sustainability squad? And we have 12 people who want to be in it. And then they'll, they'll meet and they'll start, right, here's James's future loan course. And they, it's the sort of stuff that, because it does take time and effort to, you know, to do some of these things. So what you want to do is mobilize the people who are excited and then you know, align it with their passions. So the pay-per-click people we have who love spreadsheets, well, they're going to really enjoy doing the modeling stuff, right? The SEOs who are doing digital PR content, less so, right? But they might help write some articles to help inspire some of our clients and do the fifth step. So it's getting everyone to do their bits that they enjoy and then getting it to come from them rather than sort of it's another thing that is work. And I think that's the tip to founders. Trying to, and you'd be surprised. Like, you know, there are more people that signed up for sustainability squad than I thought we're going to. So it's cool. But the, the other thing you can do as well is you, if you don't have someone like I've got, we've got great chap, Dick, and he's going to take a lead with a lot of this, who's an employee at Fountain, but there are people offering their services as sort of part-time or fractional, like chief sustainability officers to come in and help galvanize. So you pay someone to come in. But the truth is, if it sits on the founder's shoulders, and I speak really from agency world, because honestly, that's what I know the best, 
it won't get done as quickly or as well as it could do because hey you know it's one foundle to another and you know we get pulled from pillar to post so you know like and i don't want the guys sitting there going well, marcus talks with game but why is this more stuff happening it's kind of like right guys off you go run with it play and they'll come with better ideas than i ever could so that's the plan at least thanks so much marcus Hemsley from the Fanta partnership and the million tree pledge such an incredible session it was humbling to find out about your inspiration to start the Million Tree Pledge and from all of us at Beautiful Business. We hope you smash it out of the park. Thank you for joining us for this week's Beautiful Business podcast. Beautiful Business is a community for leaders who believe there's a better way to do business. Join us next time for more interesting discussion on how businesses can bring about change, helping communities, building a fairer society and safeguarding the planet. You can also join in the discussion at www.beautifulbusiness.uk.